Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. So we are starting our vision series, Good Ground 22. We are officially on day 14, so we're two-thirds through. Uh, Day 14 of 21 of our Breaking Ground spiritual plan of fasting, prayer, and time in the Word. Uh, This Good Ground theme is going to carry us all throughout 2022 as we really start to place more and more focus on disciple multiplication. Please consider, as we're still at the beginning of a new year, that a new year offers a completely fresh start. That's not just a cliche. It does offer a completely fresh start. For me, this is new leaders to develop in the new year. It's a new staff member to work with, which I'm already very excited about. It's new places to travel, new places to see, And most importantly, developing ways to become a more intentional and deeper follower of Jesus. So I'm very, I'm probably more optimistic about 2022 in the life of my family and also in the life of this church than I've ever been before. So I want us to get started uh, today with a passage that is going to carry us throughout this entire vision series. It's often referred to as the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower or sometimes the parable of the seeds. And I have really been wanting to use this parable for a long time, since since before I was at Believer's Church and I was at a conference in Denver in the summer. And this is how long this vision series and the direction that we're supposed to go has really been just boiling uh, within me with excitement. So I'm so grateful to be able to share uh, this passage passage with you over the next few weeks, okay? So we are going to be in Mark. If you're at home, you can follow on the screen. That's perfectly fine. If you want to take out your Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. There's actually three gospel accounts of this particular parable, but we're going to look at Mark's version. So Mark chapter 4 and a lot of scripture today, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. So this is what scripture says. Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. Such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into a boat there on the lake. There were just too many people. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd was nearby on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seeds. As he was scattering seeds, some fell on the path. That's seed number one. Some seeds fell on the path and the birds came up and ate it. Other seed, this is seed number two, fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. 
When the sun came up and scorched the plants, they were dried up because they had no roots. Other seed, seed number three, fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants fell, grew and choked the seeds. The thorny plants grew and choked the seeds, and they produced nothing. Other seeds, and this is seed number four, fell into good soil, or what we're going to call good ground, and bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced, in one case, a yield of 30 to 1. This is what gospel multiplication looks like. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 100 to 1. He said, whoever has ears to listen should pay attention. When they were alone, the people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about these parables. And he said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you. But those who are outside of everything, it comes in parables. This is so that they can look and see, but have no insight, and they can hear, but they do not understand. Otherwise, they might turn from their lives around, that might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand all of the parables? The farmer scatters the word. This is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path, seed number one. When the word is scattered and people hear it right away, Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. Here's the meaning of the seed that fell on the rocky ground. When people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully. But because they have no roots, they last only for a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds scattered among the thorny plants. This is seed number three. These are ones who hear the word, but the worries of this life, the false appeal of wealth, and the desire for more things choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed scattered on good soil or good ground are those who hear the word and embrace it. They bear fruit. In one case, a yield of 30 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 100 to 1. So there are a couple of things that I want us to accomplish today. First, I want us to be able to take this idea of good ground and explain to you what that means and why the direction of this concept is so important. Second, I want us to discuss the first of these four seeds. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is take these seeds one by one, and you're going to be able to see as part of Believer's Church or as someone else that is watching online, which one of these seeds you actually are. Every single person in this world that has ever lived is one of these four seeds. So today we're going to talk about seed number one. But the first thing we want to do again is talk about good ground and what good ground is. So good ground is referring to the perfect conditions for growth and bearing fruit. And this is where we want our people to be, to be in a situation in which they have the perfect conditions around them for growth and bearing fruit that is going to last 
beyond this generation. So a few statements about this series and our direction so that you'll understand where we're going. Number one, good ground has nothing to do with the seed. All right, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the soil. Everything that we're talking about is cultivating the right kind of soil. That's the purpose in this whole breaking ground 21-day fast that we're doing. We're trying to cultivate the right kind of soil around your life. Because without the right kind of soil, you're never going anywhere. Healthy soil equals healthy habits. I'm going to say that again. Healthy soil equals healthy habits. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your day? What is it that you are actually giving energy to in your life? Every single one of us are giving energy to something. We are giving time to something. We are prioritizing something. So this is where this idea of good ground actually comes in. Healthy soil equals healthy habits. This is intentional, consistent, and a deep walk with God. All right, this is what the healthy soil, the conditions actually look like. So the argument that Jesus is making is that good soil or good ground, what we're trying to cultivate and what we are trying to build will lead to a flourishing life of disciple-making and anything outside of that, seeds one through three, will fall into ruin. I'm going to say that one more time as well. The argument that Jesus is making is that good soil or good ground where eternal life really is will lead to a flourishing life of disciple-making. What this life is, is actually supposed to look like. Not just sitting in church, not just listening to the occasional Christian podcast, right? not just something that you post on social media, but actually cultivating this real life around the spiritual disciplines. That's what we're talking about whenever we're referring to good ground. So in order to fulfill our mission, and it'd be a good time to mention that in our, in our vision series, is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. That's who we are as a church. So in order to fulfill our mission and who we are, our goal is to pray and cultivate the most flourishing soil possible. Thus, the name that we have, uh, Good Ground. So we have four core values at Believer's Church. And at this point, a lot of you that are watching online, you can already name those four core values. But for the sake of you, those of you that have maybe forgotten, I'll mention them one more time, all right? Uh, formation. Formation is to become students of Jesus. So whenever we have our fall practice and our spring practice and we take a spiritual discipline like prayer, worship, giving, hospitality, scripture, serving, solitude and silence, whatever it may be, this is how we learn and practice spiritual formation together. And then we have community, which is to follow Jesus together. 
We don't understand Christianity as something that's supposed to be experienced in isolation, but it's about a body of people being together. We then have servanthood, and that's to love others like Jesus. And this has a lot to do with the work that we do in the community outside of our church. And then, of course, we have multiplication, which is to increase the Jesus-following movement. Now, in 2021, with what we did with our vision, we really poured a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort into formation, community, and servanthood. Last, last year, we had a spring practice in which we spent time learning what it means to cultivate a life of reading Scripture. And then in the fall, we did hospitality. As far as community is concerned, we got our community groups started last year. We had a spring semester, a fall semester. They were wonderful, and we really recognized and internalized what it meant to live with accountability and what it meant to learn on a deeper level than what Sunday morning or a traditional Sunday service or weekend service can actually provide. We worked on servanthood. We developed the lunchroom project. Every single Monday at Believer's Church, if you work at this factory, Green Tech, right above us, you can come here for lunch. We developed neighborhood nights in which we're experiencing uh, just down the road from here a neighborhood that we're having, basically having church, having worship music, having a short message, having food, breaking bread with our neighbors, a lot of which do not come to church and some of which really struggle with poverty. But it's this multiplication area that we didn't touch on much last year. So while we're going to continue to build on these others, if there's a new outreach ministry that someone in our church develops, wonderful. We want to continue to add to our community groups. But multiplication, disciple, multiplication is going to be a huge focus that we're going to have in 2022. So we're going to build on that. Now, here's the thing. Some people are going to be receptive to that, all right? They're gonna be receptive to that. They're gonna say, we get this. We're on board. We want to go forward in this direction. And then other people are going to resist. Now, and that's normal. But for those who resist are going to fall into the category of seed one through three that we'll cover. Those that make the decision, I'm going to embrace this, I'm going to land on good ground, will fall into the category of seed four, which we're going to talk about on February the 6th. So we're going to discuss seed one today um, as well. And uh, with seed one, there will be people here and people that are, that are watching online that identify with seed one. And some of you will grow out of that, and as you do, you will land on good ground. So I want to remind us two weeks ago on January the 2nd of what we were taught in the parable of the barren fig tree, the day that we decided to break ground. The next day our fast started, but what was it that we talked about? Because we're going to continue to bring uh, this up. Jesus, as the gardener, said, and this is in Luke chapter 13, give me some time with this tree that won't bear fruit. So we're talking about seed one right now. Give me some time with this tree that won't bear fruit. Give it one more year. I'm gonna dig around it. I'm gonna give it some fertilizer. I'm gonna prepare everything that it needs and I, I will help with good ground. 
But if not, if after a year it's still the same, it's still resistant, it still doesn't want to grow, it's still apathetic, then you can chop it down. Then you can chop it down. So I'm going to call seed one, and this is just my terminology, I'm going to call seed one the cynic. And each one of these seeds are going to have a name. Seed one, seed two, seed three, seed four. So we're going to call seed one the cynic. So let's direct our hearts back to this parable. This is what Jesus says in verses three and four. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path and the birds came up and ate it. This happens very fast. Literally scattered on the path, fall on the path, birds come up and eat it fast. So we then have an explanation of the cynic in verses 14 and 15. The farmer scatters the word. This is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered and people hear it, right away, Satan comes and steals the word that has been planted in them. So I'll give you guys an example of what this looks like. I scatter these seeds, as you guys remember from the end of last year, I scatter these seeds around our church and pray that they will grow into something amazing. Okay, but if we just take a few seeds, and I'm pretending for just a second, over there, right there, is good ground. That's the soil right there. That's the promise. That's where the broken person comes to life. That's where the person that says, there's no way I can overcome this addiction. There is no way that I can overcome this mental health issue. There is no way that I can be put back together after this horrible divorce. There are people who have wonderful callings, do wonderful things, but I just don't have the self-confidence to do those things. Over here, it all is. It's great. And Jesus wants us all over there. But instead, what's happening is the farmer is walking in this direction on the path, and the seeds are being dropped right here. So the seeds never have the opportunity. The seeds never have the ability. The seeds never make that. And of course, you're a bird, and you're hungry, and you see those seeds there. You swoop down, and you take it up so that it never has an opportunity. So I want to provide a brief psychological characterization of what the cynic actually looks like. So you may, as you're watching today, you may be asking the question, am I seed one? Am I the cynic? Now, I will tell you this. Of the four seeds, seed one is the least likely to attend church. Seed one is the least likely. Now, there's a lot of seeds two and three, and we want to hope there's some seed fours. But seed one, there are some among us, uh, but there aren't very many. I would make the argument that they make up a very small percentage of the actual church. Okay, so are you the cynic? All right, here's your, here's your description. First, while the cynic can be found in church, the cynic is the least likely to actually attend church. And when they do attend church, it's very, very uh, sporadic. And it's often because people are asking them to attend. Now, don't get me wrong. You have some cynics that are here every single Sunday, but the majority are not. The cynic seriously doubts that Jesus could be the only way to God. The cynic is probably going to say, 
Well, there were great things that Jesus taught, and there are wonderful things that we can say about the ministry of Jesus, but it's kind of ridiculous to say that Jesus might be the only way, as Jesus actually states. You know, my friend so-and-so believes this, or my friend so-and-so believes that, and there are all these worldviews that make up our planet. How is it possible that Jesus could really be the only way, the way, the truth, and the life? For the cynic, the Bible is often not a place of hope. It's an outdated piece of fiction with some good moral teachings. So overall, the Bible is not necessarily something that you want to go to, you know, when Netflix is available, or that friend that's not a believer is available, or Facebook is available. It's not necessarily the person you want. You know, you may look at Jesus. Now, I'm okay with Jesus. Okay, Jesus taught some pretty cool stuff. Uh, Jesus seemed like a really good guy. But some of that Old Testament stuff, some of that stuff that you see, uh, some of these viewpoints, um, as some people understand them, which are often not even correct, I don't know that I necessarily trust this book completely, even though there are some things that might be somewhat beneficial. That's the kind of thing that the cynic's going to say. Church is optional for the cynic. The cynic is more turned away from church or the idea of, quote, organized religion or being among the body than they are uh, likely to gravitate toward the church. You see, it's very disappointing to me today that we're not here with all of our people because I missed last week. I don't even understand. Like, I can't even, I can't even gather how people miss two or three weeks in a row. Like, I, I, I don't understand that. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So the cynic is to see church as a place that is optional and not as a place that is, that is part of a body of believers coming together for a common purpose that is very important. The cynic is often going to talk about how bad or damaging church can be. And, and church can be bad and damaging. Don't get me wrong. But the cynic is very stuck in the past about something that happened in their childhood that affected them a certain way. And this is how this comes out. Well, this is why I don't go to church. This is how my youth pastor was. Well, this is how, why I don't go to church because all the church that I grew up in, which is not every church, all they talked about was hellfire and brimstone and tried to make me feel guilty. I'm against church for this or I'm against church for that. They're all hypocrites. So this is the cynic's mindset. There are a lot of seed ones in the world, not a lot in the church, but there are a lot of seed ones. There are a lot of cynics in the world. Uh, the traditional teachings of the church on marriage or life at conception are intolerant or maybe even abusive. All right, they could even be dangerous. All right, so people that are in the church are actually, we, we have bad motivations. We're intolerant of other people. This is the viewpoint that the cynic often has. Caring for the poor and the, and the marginalized, it's admirable. It's a good thing. A lot of people are on board for that, but it shouldn't be done in the name of Jesus. Like you, you, you don't have to tag the name of Jesus to everything that you do. So you see that both conservatives and progressives can fall into the category of, of cynics or cynicism, thus falling into the category of seed one. So I mentioned that there would be some cynics here in our church, but that I should add that the majority 
uh, would be outside of the church, but there are a lot of seeds two and three and some seeds four that would be present in the church. Now consider the enemy's influence on the cynic. All right, so because the cynic is the cynic is not necessarily not necessarily always convinced of their correctness, but they are always convinced that the church or certain elements of the Bible are definitely uh, troublesome or wrong. All right, so I want you to consider the influence that the enemy has on the cynic. This is what the scripture says. When the word is scattered and people hear it right away, right away, Satan comes and steals the word that has been planted in them. So the ability to practice this radical faith, the ability to move forward in a God-centered lifestyle, the ability to surrender everything so that you can experience what we call the abundant life. It's there. It's present. But it's stolen away for the benefit of cynicism. Now, other translations say immediately. For this right away, other translations say immediately. Mark uses this 42 times compared to only 12 other times in the New Testament. Immediately literally means suddenly or urgently. So whenever God really starts to speak to a person, when God is dealing with an individual, when life change, when they're on the cusp of life change and these beautiful things that could happen in their lives, you know, this good ground, this good soil, this possibility of the real life, this possibility of disciple multiplication, this possibility of real identity, your authentic self that is buried deeply underneath sin and cynicism is right there. It's right there. And you're thinking, if I can just take a few steps in the right direction. But then this show or this uh, social media influencer or, or whatever it might be reaches in and just eats every single one of those seeds and pulls this individual away. Please hear this this morning. The enemy understands more than you do that good ground is dangerous. Good ground is very, very dangerous. And there are very, very few people that actually find it, that find good ground. Good soil is threatening because it dismantles his plans completely. So every form of doubt, every form of rationalization or preoccupation that fills the mind of the cynic implodes the cynicism into more and more questions, more and more suspicion, more and more doubt, and quite frankly, more frustration with church people or with Jesus' followers. So there is going to be a chronic problem for every one of these first three seats. There's going to be a chronic problem that they struggle with. So for the cynic, the chronic problem is that they are never ready. They are never ready. And in the end, and this is an unfortunate thing to say, 
But in the end, they are food for the birds. That's what ends up happening with their lives. Now, you may say, because I, but I, I've got a healthy level of cynicism. I do, personally. I'm not seed one, but I've got a healthy level of cynicism about a lot of things, sometimes even about uh, different things that I see in the church. But seed one, the cynic, this ultimate cynicism, why aren't they ready? Why is it that they're not ready? Number one, surrendering to faith is just too much. It's just too much. All right, there's, there, there's, there's too much to lose. It feels a little bit silly. Um, it feels like something that kind of crazy religious fanatics do. Uh, it doesn't make sense for them. So to step into this life, this completely new life in which we say, my husband is hurting. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen to my kid's future. Things financially are horrible. I don't know why this, this COVID situation continues to go on. I don't know why I lost my job. I don't know why I'm struggling with addiction. Any of these things, surrendering to faith just seems dangerous. It just seems, just quite frankly, they can't trust God enough. I mean, I don't know another way to say it, but the cynic really struggles with this idea of going overboard in their faith with God. Number two, and this is critical, they never really have that rock bottom moment. You see, some people think that their lives are difficult. Some people will tell you my life is a lot harder than most people. And some people really legitimately do struggle and have hard lives. But until you've been on the bottom, and I'm gonna tell you because I'm getting ready to celebrate nine years of sobriety, but the bottom for me looked like a hotel in Paintsville, Kentucky, thinking that I was going to lose everything around me. And prior to that, I said to myself sometimes, completely turning myself over to this faith thing seems really scary. It doesn't really seem like it makes any sense at all. But when you have nowhere else to go, when you're at the bottom and you've depleted all of your own resources and nothing else is working, it's the only direction that you have to go. But you see, the cynics are very self-sustained. They can take care of themselves. They can make sense of the world that they live in. So often, good ground has a lot to do with experiencing a rock-bottom moment. But also, they're not ready because they see following Jesus as just another ideology. And our world offers like zillions and zillions of, of political ideologies, of philosophical ideologies, of, of spiritual ideologies. They see G following Jesus as just another option and not a transformative journey that completely changes a person from the inside out. Their belief in this, in this reality, it's just not there. It's not there. When um, Paul talks about the new life and being transformed, he used the Greek word metamorphi, fr from metamorphosis, like a, a caterpillar going into a butterfly, like you are a completely new, different creation in Christ. Everything is washed away. So the cynic says, well, so-and-so started going to church and it is working good for them because now he's being a good husband. He's being a good father. He's being more present in the home. And that's wonderful. And that can actually happen without experiencing transformation. 
So it's the transformation that completely removes you away from the doubt. It completely removes you away from the thought that God cannot provide. It removes you away from the, from the thought that miracles do not exist and do not happen. It's an ideology. It's not necessarily something that transforms and changes a person. Hopefully some of you are able to identify and start being able to identify, well, this is me. I'm seed one. There is no doubt about that. Like I kind of come to church sometimes or I'm somewhat interested in this, but the truth is I am ultimately on the outside looking in when it comes to where my, my soul is and where my heart is and where I'm really at. The things that get my attention, my viewpoints as far as I try to balance all these different things and compartmentalize a religious view. These are the individuals that fall into the category of seed one. So cynics, as, as we're closing, I'll, I'll mention this to you. Let's return, and we're going to do this a lot through this series. Let's return to the words of Jesus from January the 2nd, whenever we broke ground, whenever we started this, this, um, this fast. All right, this is from Luke 13. A man has a fig tree planted in his vineyard. One day he comes out looking for fruit on it, but there are no figs. Because you see, cynics don't bear fruit, they bear cynicism. They don't bear gospel fruit, they bear more doubt, they bear more discouragement, they bear more friction, they bear more, I, I, I can't understand why some people completely believe all of that crazy stuff. So again, a man or the farmer, the landowner, has a fig tree planted in his vineyard. One day he comes out looking for fruit on it, but there are no figs, just cynicism. He says to the vineyard keeper, which is Jesus, look at this tree. Look at seed one. For three years, I've come hoping to find some fresh figs. But what do I find? Nothing. Just cynicism. And for some of you that may be in here today, this three-year period or this period of time as you're listening online, you know that you've been in that seed one category. So just go ahead and cut it down. Why waste the space with a fruitless tree? And here's where mercy comes in. And here's where grace comes in. The vineyard keeper, which is Jesus, replies, give it another chance, sir. That's mercy. That's grace. That's what it looks like for the Savior of the world to reach into the mess and to reach down to the bottom and to reach down to where people are hurting and damaged and struggling this very second, this morning. Complete darkness everywhere. Some of us have been there. Give me the Messiah one more year working with him. I'll cultivate the soil. I'll heap on some manure 
to fertilize it. He's saying, I'm going to give it some good ground. I'm going to give it what it needs. And all of this worry and all of this cynicism and all of this frustration and all of this doubt, will it show its ugly face sometimes? Of course. But I'm going to cultivate the soil around it so that it's able to grow and able to grow into something amazing. Now, these are some of the scariest words for me in the entire Bible. If it surprises us and bears fruit next year, that will be great. But if not, cut it down or chop it down. I plead with you today. Please don't be cut down. Jesus is speaking to some of you. Exactly where you are in the comfort of your home or your work or, or your hotel or wherever you may be on the road. Please don't be cut down. Because our desire this year is to take those folks that fall into the category of seed one two, or three and bring them to the amazing glory and the beautiful grace and the relentless, reckless, unending acceptance and love of God. As you say, not me. My past is too dirty. Not me. Because God can't understand my plans. He's that small. That's the cynicism talking. Our prayer is that you find this good ground this year so that you can grow into what you're supposed to be in this effort to multiply disciples in our region. Father, we come to you lifting you up and, and, and thankful. I know, Father, that our, our hearts are heavy because of a lot of the things that are going on around us. Father, my prayer this, this morning is for those that may identify with seed one to understand, God, that I'm a message away. The Believer's Church online is just a message away. Father, we're praying that through this fast, it's, it's, it's brought out so much in so many of us for some of us, joy, for some of us, discovery, for other people calling, for some of us, like myself, a significant amount of pain. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will break hearts. And today in living rooms or kitchens or wherever, dining rooms, wherever we may be watching this message, Father, that we will know we have to reach out because 2022 is the year that good ground flourishes. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.